Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Buddhang dhammang sanghang namasami For this fourth talk during this Rains Retreat of 1998 I wanted to continue on the encouragement for developing samadhi And in particular, for this talk, I wanted to focus not so much on the obstacles to samadhi, but on some of the important factors which assist the arising of the factors of the path. In particular, I wanted to structure this evening's talk on the five indriyas even though that I've talked about these before sometimes that during a talk there's a a different angle presented or there may be some things which I've said before but which are not really seen in their full light until you've heard it quite a few times and in particular these five indriyas these five controlling faculties are such that if they are developed they make the meditation very powerful, very deep, very successful. And sometimes that talking about the five indriyas, pointing out what they are, can sometimes uncover some of the reasons why our meditation is not going as deep and as smooth as expected because once these five indriyas are very strong once they are really developed then of course the meditation uh, becomes quite easy and again at this time of the retreat I'm still (coughs) emphasizing still encouraging the development of jhanas and uh, later on during the retreat I'll be giving Uh, some more talks on the practice of insight and how to develop uh, the mind which has achieved quiet, peaceful states of samadhi how to use those to develop great insights but at the moment I'm still focusing in this stage of the retreat on developing calm and peaceful states of mind (coughs) again, most of you will know what those five indriyas are in Pali they are sada, usually translated as confidence or faith. Wiriya, usually translated as energy. Sati, usually translated as mindfulness. Samadhi, <coughs> unfortunately translated as concentration. And Panya, usually translated as, as wisdom, discernment. Taking them one by one, we start at sada. And I think I will point out during this talk that as I understand these five indriyas, 
that they usually start at Sada and from Sada from this confidence or faith from that you get energy and from energy you get mindfulness from mindfulness you get serenity Samadhi and from Samadhi you get wisdom there is a causal link between these five which is not usually pointed out but pointing it out at the very beginning shows the importance of the, f- importance of the first link of sada, confidence or faith <coughs> unfortunately that in our western society that sada, faith or confidence is looked upon with some fear and uh, skepticism seems to be much more in vogue indeed uh, skepticism is sometimes looked upon as being intelligence I've often taught that uh, skeptics they should, if they want to they're skeptical about all sorts of things except skepticism itself and I think if the skeptics who uh, pull down so many different ideas skeptics who <coughs> deny the faith of others or deny faith growing in their own minds if they could only apply that same skepticism to that attitude of skepticism and I think they'll be going a long way <coughs> and it uncovers sometimes the, the delusion of skepticism basically the skeptics will always pull down things which is not comfortable to the defilement which are comfortable to the defilements in other words they will not take on board they will not believe they will not accept things which are challenging to some very deep held uh, defilements of the mind however <coughs> the opposite of that skepticism is the, the confidence and faith the willingness to trust in something in some teaching or some person and in my practice of the, the Dhamma in my uh, experience as a monk it is one of the, the great good fortunes to come across a teacher like Ajahn Chah who you can have confidence and faith in because not having confidence or faith in a teacher <coughs> usually means that you follow your own ideas and those own ideas are usually the ideas of Putuchana they're the ideas of Mara they are ide- ideas which are still very much in the power of delusion it does need a confidence in some teacher and that teacher should be an Aryan someone who is at least a stream winner or more I was fascinated to find when I started reading the suttas in Pali there are some suttas which says that if you don't develop the desire to uh, be in the company of the Aryans if you don't develop the desire to hear their Dhamma then the arising of the further qualities of mind such as mindfulness and clear comprehension the arising of uh, stream entry and, and more 
becomes impossible. But actually the, the confidence and faith in Aryans, in people who have attained something on the path, is said to be a crucial ingredient in one's own progress on the path. And so <coughs> it is important to develop such confidence and faith and to put aside skepticism for the time being, to use humility rather than pride, because otherwise that one can come across great teachers and not really listen deeply to what's being said, because it's only through faith in those teachings that you really listen deeply <coughs> and those teachings have an effect. If one just listens only with half an ear, then what is being said will not go through, will not reach where it needs to reach inside the mind. So that confidence should be developed. That confidence is a willingness to follow those teachings, not as you interpret them, but as you hear them, to follow the instructions. And following the instructions usually means that the results will occur one by one. Of course, if you don't follow the instructions and the results don't come, that's no need, that's no cause to lose faith in the teacher. It's just because you haven't followed the instructions, of course it's not going to work. So the confidence and faith gives you the, the, <coughs> the means to listen to those instructions and also to follow them. Not only sort of the Aryans, but also the Lord Buddha himself, to have that sort of confidence and faith in the Lord Buddha's enlightenment and also in the teachings which the Lord Buddha gave. Unfortunately, that sometimes these days people make up their own teachings rather than the teachings which you find in the Pali Canon, in the suttas. And that actually shows a lack of faith in the Buddha, in the Dhamma, in the Sangha. And that's one of the reasons why so many people can waste so much time in this life uh, following one's own ideas rather than following the, the course of training, a course of practice which has been established for so many years, so many centuries which has produced so many Aryans. If you can develop the confidence in the Lord Buddha, in the Dhamma, in the Sangha, then that will give you an enormous help on the path. First of all, uh, having confidence in the Lord Buddha means that enlightenment is possible. Having confidence in the Dhamma means that you read these suttas very carefully as the, the guidebook, the best teachings, the clearest teachings on the path to Nibbana. And the Sangha, the Aryan Sangha, you listen to what's being said, you follow their example and you put aside skepticism, you put aside doubt, you put aside one's own view for the time that you're practicing with them. If it comes to the point that you lose your confidence, then it's proper to go elsewhere and seek another teacher. 
However, that confidence should also be in one's own abilities. And I've mentioned this before for many people, that lack of sadhar in their own ability to develop the jhanas, to develop stream entry, once return and non-return on arahat, is a major cause for these attainments not being as common as they might be. Sometimes, even in some traditions, they say that these attainments aren't even possible at all. And if a person believes that, if a person accepts that, then they do become impossible. You have to start with the faith, the confidence that you have all the necessary requirements to be able to live the holy life to its very fulfillment. And in particular at each stage of this meditation, you should have the full confidence that if you follow the instructions, and if you keep following those instructions patiently for long enough, that the results will arise. It's only through not following instructions or through being impatient and giving up that these fruits of the path don't come to you. That sort of confidence comes from the teacher, from the, the Dhamma, from the Lord Buddha. But you should be very careful to give yourself that confidence. Even when you start the meditation, to have confidence that, <coughs> that you can stay in the present moment, that you can be silent, that you can watch the breath, that you can gain the beautiful breath, that you can access the nimitta and maintain it, that you can enter jhanas. Each of those stages needs confidence for them to arise. Because sometimes, <coughs> sometimes it does happen because maybe you've had a bad day and the meditation doesn't seem to be working. Sometimes it may have been a bad month or maybe ever since you started meditating you haven't got very deep into your meditation. And because of that past, sometimes that it gives rise to the, the skepticism of one's own abilities. I haven't achieved anything yet, therefore I never will. Be very careful not to get sucked in to that uh, illogical argument arising from Mara. Just because you haven't so far doesn't mean you won't in the next meditation in five minutes time. Because sometimes that's what happens in the experience of meditating of so many years, talking to others, being a teacher, sometimes it happens that people have had no success for many years and then suddenly they do the right thing for the first time and they get into a deep and powerful and enjoyable meditation. It's important that you know that. Sometimes it's important if you experience that and go and tell others because it will give them confidence that it is indeed possible. <coughs> indeed, that sometimes that when we talk with one another, sometimes we don't, especially monks, talk about our great meditations. 
And sometimes it's lovely to do so because it will give a sense of confidence that things are happening in this monastery, that people are getting deep samadhi states in this monastery. And if that's said to everybody, it will encourage. It's possible. They've done it. Why can't me? Why can't I? And that arouses confidence that these things actually are possible, that you can as a Westerner get into jhana. You can, as a Westerner in Australia, get stream entry once returner, non-returner, or even arahat. Because that confidence is such an important ingredient to open the doors to, to success in this path. However, you'll find that as you go deeper on this path, the need for confidence gets ever more crucial. Because sometimes this doubt of the fifth hindrance can so easily come up. <laughs> it can come up from Mara, you can come up saying that either I can't do this or I don't deserve this, this is too much for me. And one of the skillful means which I've used in the past and taught here is that whenever a sense of fear or doubt comes up in your meditation, a sense of fear or doubt which is blocking going deeper in to the peacefulness and the tranquility, the power of serenity. If ever that comes up, deliberately interrupt the silence and give yourself the gift of confidence. Say to yourself, I can do this. Say to yourself, it's worth doing. Say to yourself, I deserve this, happiness and bliss. Because that confidence will demolish the fear. That confidence <coughs> will demolish the sense of inadequacy. And it will enable you psychologically just to take that one step and go deeper into meditation. It's the fear, the lack of confidence, which causes the trembling. In the same way that if you're taking any test and you think, oh dear, I'm going to fail, then you will fail. If you have that confidence that I can do this, this is easy, it's no problem, then you always do well. The fear causes a trembling, the confidence causes a stillness and a progress. And that becomes especially important, this indriya of sadha, of confidence, when you get to the stage of nimittas. Sometimes the first time a nimitta comes up into the mind because you aren't familiar with these uh, objects of the, the mind landscape because you're not used to them. Sometimes you may not recognize them. You may not have confidence that these things are indeed nimittas. The perception will not be strong enough to catch hold of them. To actually to catch hold of a nimitta, that perception needs to be empowered with confidence. If you can have confidence that that in front of you is indeed the nimitta, you will find that it will probably grow into one. 
that confidence is important. Once that nimitta starts to go, get become strong, you really need confidence in the process. Because it's only when you have confidence in the process that you can let go of control. Remember, in this meditation, <coughs> we are letting go of the controller of the doer. And the only way that can happen is you've got confidence in something else. And I said before, it's like the simile of having a driver. If you have confidence in your chauffeur, you can sit back and be quiet. If you haven't got confidence in the driver, you've always got to be very alert to make sure they don't turn down the wrong street. So when you get to these deep stages of meditation, it's important to give confidence to the nimitta, to have sadhar, faith, in the process. And that's sometimes what I do in my meditation. If a nimitta comes up, deliberately interrupt the silence and give that nimitta all my confidence as if I give over the controls of the process of meditation. I've done enough, now it's up to you. And giving up control or giving confidence to the nimitta means the nimitta gets bright and stable. It starts to take over the work. And if there's any fear or trembling comes up from my mind, again, I interrupt the silence and give all that confidence to the nimitta. <coughs> As you give confidence in this way, you usually find that the process takes over, the nimitta grows according to your confidence in it. Confidence is sometimes uh, the twin of delight. If you're confident in something, you'll find your delight in it. If you fear something, you'll be afraid of it and you'll move away. When you give confidence, it brings you close to it. And this is what happens. You actually confide, as it were, in the nimitta. And you can merge into it. Even with the experience of a first jhana, as I've mentioned in previous talks, there is still what I call the wobble of the mind. And this is where <coughs> there is still, this is just the mind, this is not you, still the mind is not fully confident in the experience of bliss. So much so that it just holds too hard onto the experience. That holding on to the Piti Sukra first jhana is the meaning of vichara. And because of that excess of mental effort that the object of meditation, as it were, recedes. However, because of its strength, because of the power of that bliss, the mind immediately or the attention immediately goes straight back onto it, which is the vitaka. It's only when you have so much confidence in the experience 
And this is something at this time you can't put in there. Very often it only comes with experience. You have so much confidence in that jhana that the mind can settle onto that piti sukha with no need to hold it. It stays there peacefully exactly by itself. And this is how I understand that fact of the second jhana, ajatang sampasadana, <coughs> the complete confidence inside. So much so that there is no movement of mind. So much so that that is true samadhi, one-pointedness, singleness of perception, which just does not move for a long, long time. That's one of the, <coughs> the peaks of confidence. So much confidence that you completely let go and get out of the way. And isn't that what Siddhar is all about? Siddhar is letting go of the sense of self and control and giving it to something else. Point is, you cannot do that straight away. There's too much fear and it sometimes is a bit dangerous anyway. To whom, to what should you give that control? However, the practice of samatha, going to jhanas, is a <coughs> gradual letting go of the doer, letting go of control, and a gradual increase of the sadha, the faith, and giving over to the process of nature. More faith, confidence in letting go. And isn't that sort of the way to end suffering? Having so much confidence in relinquishment, in abandoning, in letting go, that you can let go all the way into the, what I call the citadel of the self, right where the illusion of self abides. And once you're right in there and see the tricks, of the illusion of self, then you can exactly you can blow up that delusion, blow up Sakaya Ditti, Siddhabhata Paramasa and Wichikicha, the first three fetters. Explode Karma Raga and Wayapada, the fourth and fifth, and completely obliterate all the other fetters as well. Only through that confidence in the power of letting go. If you have confidence in the senses to give you happiness, then you'll be wandering around samsara forever and ever. If your sadha, your confidence and faith is in your own thinking, then you'll argue with the Lord Buddha, you'll argue with the Aryans, and you'll never find serenity, you'll never find peace. I'm sure that those of you who've been with great teachers know that they never encourage this thinking process. They never say that you can get enlightened through thinking. They say, put down those thoughts, put down those old ideas, put down your views. Make the mind so quiet and have confidence and faith in that pure, mindful, powerful silence when the hindrances are gone 
that's the way to attain the enlightenment experiences no other way confidence faith that you can do it confidence in the teacher in the teachings in the Buddha confidence in in the silence confidence in the nimitta these are all aspects of the first indriya how you apply confidence how you apply faith however you'll also know that if you do have a skeptical mind a doubting mind a mind which hasn't got confidence <coughs> you'll find that will not motivate you to do anything if I can't do this is your idea then you will never even try that's why I say that confidence gives rise to virya to energy if you really know that this can be done if you have confidence and faith that it's worth doing then you'll find it's easy to get up in the morning it's easy to stay up late at night it's easy to put energy into every moment into every meditation the sloth and torpor, laziness does not come up it's strange that <coughs> a few times that I've been uh, gone to uh, fashionable teachers who've arisen from time to time one of the ones I went to some years ago I was sent by Venerable Ajahn Jakra was this monk Amata Gawesi uh, who was the flavor of the, the uh, not a month for a year or so here in Perth and Ajahn Jaka wanted me to find out exactly what this fellow was teaching because there were many disciples of his here and so he gave me a nice trip to Sri Lanka which I was very appreciative of but one of the things which I did notice there that because people had the, the confidence that something was happening there because people had the confidence that this was a really fine teacher even though that some of the things he taught were really strange and weird they all had much better meditation there much greater energy than usual is that confidence even though it was misplaced in this particular instance that confidence that faith gave them great energy as they say faith can move mountains and so it can even move you out of bed in the morning <laughs> it can give rise to that energy because the energy is the thing is comes especially the energy to meditate is there is something to be done and I can do it and I'm going to do it this is why when we talk about the the bala sorry the indriya sorry the indriya the controlling faculty of energy you always want to to bring in the four idipadas because the idipadas in my experience in my understanding are just all about energy first of all that you have confidence there is something to be done some teachers who say that samsara and nibbana were one this is just the way it is you don't need to do anything are ones which do not encourage the energy in the right place the main purpose for you becoming monks nuns 
anagarikas, anagarikas, is to gain enlightenment, is to practice and achieve those jhanas as a means to gain enlightenment. And you all should know what a precious opportunity this is. Thinking like that and having confidence it can be done should give you that energy to achieve the goal. However, if you have no goal, there will be no energy. If there's nothing to do, nothing to achieve, nowhere to go, you'll find you will achieve nothing. You will go nowhere. You will become nothing. You'll just wander around samsara, just as before. It's very clear when I read the suttas, when you listen to the, the great monks, very clear that there is something to be done and that takes effort. It takes striving. The only thing is you have to know how to apply that effort wisely so it does not give rise to frustration. It does not give rise to headaches. It does not give rise to disillusionment which is the, <coughs> the problem of energy, the danger of energy. The Idipadas say there should be Chanda Samadhi, Virya Samadhi, Chitta Samadhi and Vimangsa Samadhi accompanied with effort, Padana. The Samadhi in this uh, instance I always like to uh, emphasize this aspect of sustaining attention on something. In this particular case you sustain your attention on Chanda on the will, the desire to get somewhere, to do something. You make your goal and you sustain your aspiration. You don't give up until you've got there. So often that people get disillusioned, they lose their confidence because they do not sustain their aspiration long enough. Sometimes that people think that just three months is enough to become enlightened. And after two and a half months they haven't got there yet. Oh dear. You lose your momentum. People don't attain because they don't sustain their aspiration. What you should say is there is nothing more to achieve Nothing, sorry, nothing worth achieving more than enlightenment. And to understand that enlightenment you have to achieve these jhanas. So I don't care how long it takes. This is my aim, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to keep at it. If it takes my whole lifetime, if it takes many lifetimes, this is what I'm going to do. If you've got that degree of chanda samadhi, then you're bound to attain. There's no other way. That's why people who have firm confidence in the teaching of the Buddha know that this is the only thing worth doing. Such people with firm confidence are the stream winners. With such firm confidence at the very most it's seven lifetimes. People who are putujanas without that firm confidence will sometimes give up and can wander around samsara for, for eons. 
So that chanda samadhi, the sustaining of will, aspiration, that will give rise to energy. If you've got something to achieve, you've got the energy to do it. Some monks find it very easy if there's a project in the monastery, like building a wall or building a kuti. It's a very clear goal. Or if they're reading a book or writing an essay. Something very clear cut, you know what you have to do. And you go and do it. And you can put great energy into that. Sometimes, <coughs> because of the lack of confidence in samadhi, you don't give the same sort of energy, the same sort of commitment, the same one-pointedness and su sustaining of that aspiration to the practice of meditation. If you could do that, the meditation will be as successful as the buildings you put up here. It will be successful as the, the, the things which you write. the virya samadhi, the sustaining of that energy, the citta samadhi, the application of the mind on that goal, keeping it on that one thing. And we amongst the investigation which helps you attain that goal. But in particular here I'm focusing on energy. Energy only comes when you have a very clear goal. <coughs> that main goal has to be enlightenment. But that goal of enlightenment has sub-goals. There's steps on the ladder. And you know those steps on the ladder, the gradual path, the gradual training. So keeping that main goal in mind, the top of the ladder, look at each other step of the ladder. Whether it's sila, get the energy up to keep that sila. And that sila is, includes the monastery rules, getting up early in the morning, going to bed late at night. It includes sense restraint, which takes energy. All these things are very important. Give energy to them. And then you'll find that they will develop. Give energy to the meditation practice. Those of you who've been here before know my advice for what you do at four o'clock or before in the morning. As soon as you know you wake up, don't just wait to look at what the clock says. Don't just lay for an extra five minutes contemplating the Dhamma. Just jump out of bed straight away. Sipidi doodah practice. You can actually say that to yourself with energy, with confidence not just with negativity, sipadi, uh, blank, blank, doodah. What am I doing this for? Get up straight away, put energy from the very beginning of your day. And then you'll find that your meditation will be energetic. <coughs> if you get into the habit of doing that, you'll feel so much better. You'll get so much happiness and you'll get much better samadhi. So Ajahn Chah used to say to put 100% effort into whatever you're doing. Even getting up in the morning, brushing the teeth, eating, washing the bowl, whatever you're doing, 100% effort into everything. You find you're not wasting effort, it doesn't mean the effort dries up. 
the energy gets more and more and more. You build up energy. You start energy up and it's like a snowball going downhill. It just builds up more and more momentum until you become a very energetic monk rather than a, like one of these worms you see on the path just dragging themselves along just with so much effort and so much pain. Energy is necessary for this practice. You'll find if you have energy, you'll have delight in the mind. Energy and happiness go together. If you've got lack of energy because you've got no confidence in this path, no confidence in yourself, you'll find you get depressed. It's a lack of energy. It's much more fun having energy. If you want to have a good time, develop energy. <coughs> that energy also is necessary to get into the deep meditations. The brightness of the nimitta depends on the energy you have. I don't mean the sort of the, <coughs> the restless energy. I'm talking about the focused energy. Just like the magnifying glass, if it's a dull sun just shining through the clouds, you just get a very cool spot where the, the rays are focused. If the sun is high in the sky and it's mid of summer and there's no clouds, then that's, that spot, focusing those rays through a magnifying glass, that spot is just so hot, so bright, so energetic. And it's necessary to get into deep jhanas to have energy. That's one of the factors of jhana, the energetic mind which is harnessed all on one point. But let alone with jhanas, the energy is required for mindfulness. Because you know that sometimes you can sit for, you can sit for two or three hours sometimes, but you're dull. So what? That's why Ajahn Chah used to say, if it really mattered, see if sitting long was going to make you enlightened, then all the chickens in the world would be enlightened. Chickens sit for hours on their eggs. It's the quality of that time you spend which is important. It has to be energetic because with energy comes mindfulness. I've been telling many people about what mindfulness means in their interviews. The Lord Buddha gave the simile of the gatekeeper. I will mention this once more because it's very important <coughs> for your practice of meditation. That gatekeeper is not just someone who notices everyone going in and everyone going out. That is not sufficient. I've been telling people it's like a person who, who hires a guard on their house and they come back after going away for a week and find the burglars have been in and stolen everything. And they asked the guard, didn't you see the burglars going in? And the guard said, yeah, I saw them going in. I saw them going out and they came two or three times. I saw everything. Why didn't you stop them? Because you never told me. You just told me to watch and to be aware. And I was. Why are you blaming me? Sometimes that's what happens in meditation. You're aware completely 
what you think is mindful, knowing everything which is coming and going, but you're allowing the robbers and the murderers to come into your mind and take away the possibility for samadhi, the possibility for wisdom. For a gatekeeper it's not enough just to know who's coming in and who's going out. You have to instruct the gatekeeper who is allowed in and who is not allowed in. That's why in this meditation at each stage of the meditation, it's why I teach stages of meditation, you have clear instructions for your gatekeeper. Mindfulness. First stage of present moment awareness, you tell mindfulness to watch everything coming into your mind. If it's dressed up in the past or the future, keep them out. Only let in what you perceive to be the present. Clear, simple instructions to the mind. Mindfulness is such that it remembers instructions. If you give clear and precise instructions to your mind, you do not need to keep repeating them. You don't need to keep on ordering the mind, come on, watch the present moment, get in there, come on. You just say it once, you stand back and watch, and the mind does it by itself. It does not work when you don't give clear instructions, or when you don't give any instructions. Sometimes we call this aditana. I just like to call it instructing the gatekeeper. So in every stage of your meditation, give clear instructions, so the gatekeeper knows precisely what to do. The second stage, you go up to the gatekeeper again and say, right, present moment is pretty well established. Now keep out all the talkers out of the mind. No inner speech, no thinking, just knowing. And if you give that gatekeeper that clear instructions, you don't need to keep saying it. All that comes in is just silent awareness. You tell the gatekeeper later on, okay, interrupt the silence, tell the gatekeeper, now just the breath, anything else is not allowed in. Clear instruction to the gatekeeper, the gatekeeper, the mindfulness knows what's happening in the mind and automatically if a thought arises or if something other than the breath comes up, the gatekeeper just pushes it aside and goes back onto the breath, does its work. This is an automatic process. It's called conditioning, it's called brainwashing, whatever you wish to call it. It's well known that it works. If you give very clear instructions, the mind will follow. Give it clear instructions, now just a beautiful breath. Mindfulness will do it. Let go of the breath, Nimitta. Mindfulness will do it. Okay, no more doing confidence completely to the Nimitta. Mindfulness will do it. This is the way you can practice using mindfulness, not just bare attention. That's not enough for the gatekeeper. To be an Indriya, a controlling 
power. It has to be the sati, the gatekeeper, which also has the clear instructions. So often it happens that people waste a lot of their time meditating because they have, they're not methodical in what they're doing. They don't have like clear steps, they don't give clear instructions and they haven't got clear steps. It's like the owner of the city or the town just doesn't really know what they're supposed to be doing so how can they give the gatekeeper clear instructions? Those clear instructions require confidence and faith, they require energy to say, right, this is what I want to do, I'm going to do it, okay mindfulness, hear the instructions. Just like programming, programming a computer, programming it clearly and then it does the job. So be careful with that mindfulness. You can practice mindfulness throughout the day by when you're walking meditation, give yourself clear instructions what you're supposed to be doing, what you want to achieve in this walking meditation. Be very clear on what you're doing and why. Give clear instructions and then off you go. Don't just allow the mind to wander around not really knowing what you're supposed to be doing. You might be very clear of every moment but it's just wandering around all over the place because you haven't given those instructions. When you're eating, give yourself clear instructions, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. If you're eating too much, tell yourself at the very beginning, don't eat so much this time. Try that mindfulness, the instructions, the aditana, so that you do have a doorkeeper over your actions of body, speech and mind rather than having these things being completely uh, accidental all over the place without any real guidance. And then you find that mindfulness does have an effect. Also, as I was mentioning earlier, that the energy is a great cause for that mindfulness. With lots of energy, the mindfulness becomes very sharp. It's as if the doorkeeper has very good eyes, the more energy you have. It's impossible to be that mindful if you're sleepy, if you've got sloth and torpor. That's why bringing up joy and delight through energy makes that mindfulness sharp and alert. Developing deep stages of meditation supports that mindfulness. Mindfulness has very different degrees to it. You find that the sort of mindfulness you begin meditation with is nowhere near the strength and the penetrating power of the mindfulness just before jhanas, the upachara samadhi mindfulness then you know just how mindfulness can be so profound, so deep, so subtle. Mindfulness, if you compare it to like a knife, it's the difference between a rusty old spade and this very, very sharp axe just before uh, jhanas. And in jhanas it's like a scalpel, sharp as you can imagine, just so powerful. 
in the most powerful mindfulness where the indriya reaches its peak will be the mindfulness in the fourth jhana but that's another talk the fourth indriya is samadhi itself and I think you can see this how mindfulness as I've described it is so important for serenity for samadhi without that mindfulness knowing what you're doing and knowing what you're supposed to be doing without clearly instructing the, the gatekeeper and having an energetic gatekeeper a gatekeeper with full confidence and faith samadhi will never happen you will never be able to let go you'll never be able to abandon that which causes the disturbances in the mind or the disturbances in your life that serenity <coughs> is brought about through confidence through energy, through mindfulness. In the definition of the five indriyas, they actually define the five indriyas or the <coughs> uh, fourth indriya of samadhi for the Aryan, for the Aryasavaka, as the four jhanas. And this is the the indriya. This is the controlling faculty. You should be able to develop that indriya to that level, at least the first jhana, before you can expect that indriya to support and make possible the fifth indriya of panya, of wisdom. You have to develop that degree of serenity so the mind is hardly moving at all but the defilements, the, the agitations of the mind are completely abandoned for a while that there is a very clear mindfulness a very powerful energy and enough confidence to really examine the Lord Buddha's teaching without even a moment of skepticism you're willing to go completely where the Lord Buddha told you and to see whether it's true or not any slight skepticism you'll never be able to find the truth of anatta so this is a time with samadhi with sati with wiriya and with sada that you use the power of the mind together with the confidence in the map to find the treasure I've used this simile before the treasure is the experiences of uh, enlightenment stream enter, once return and non-return arahat just like in the Attika Nagara Sutta Venerable Ananda describing eleven doors to the treasure of enlightenment, Nibbana. In this way, in this simile now, I'm talking about two important necessities for finding that treasure the map and the flashlight. The map is your confidence in the Lord Buddha's teachings. The flashlight, the strong beam 
caused by samadhi, by sati, by virya. Without that strong beam, it's like looking for the treasure <coughs> in a darkened forest with a weak flashlight. You can very easily just pass over it and not notice it. The flashlight is strong, you've got a very good map, and you're going to follow that map. You've got confidence in it. If you've got the strong flashlight, the good map, confidence in the map, you're going to find that treasure. You're going to find what the Lord Buddha saw. You're going to get the panya, the deep wisdom, which <coughs> is going to be beyond your views, beyond your old perceptions and beyond your old conceptions. Remember the whippalazas, the bias, the perversion, the delusion of views, perceptions and thoughts which stop you becoming fully enlightened. They are not a very easy thing to overcome. It is why that I gave this simile just a couple of hours ago to somebody. It's why that to see how samadhi, sati, wiriya and sada give rise to panya, wisdom. And what I really mean by panya and wisdom, I once, a couple of years ago here, first gave the simile of the thousand-petal lotus. And it's... Uh, even though I repeat this simile, it's one of the best similes which I can cut, which I can provide. A thousand petal lotus. A lotus is something which only opens its leaves, its petals, when the sun shines on it, when there's warmth. It opens those petals one at a time. The thousandth petal, the 999th, the 998th, the sun has to shine upon it a long time before it opens up its innermost petal and you actually see what's truly inside. In the same way, you have to have enough confidence and enough patience, the serenity of samadhi, to gaze upon the jitta, the mind especially, long enough for layer upon layer to peel off. And I say the thousand petal lotus because this jitter is not a very is a very complex thing. It takes a long while for layers upon layer of delusion to peel off, to peel off, to peel off. Sometimes the danger is maybe it's only five hundred layers have peeled off and you think, ah, there it is. That's the truth. That's called overestimation. Samadhi, the sustained attention, has to be that strong <coughs> that you can wait long enough with a mind which isn't moving, heating up that object of awareness <coughs> long enough to really find the very heart of delusion, the heart of anatta to go right to the very centre. And of course, as you all know, should know anyway, in the middle of that thousand petal lotus, what you actually find there is nothing.
That's a delusion. Always wrapping up nothing in words, in titles, in concepts and views. Wrapping up nothing and making a self out of it. Wrapping up nothing and making happiness out of it. Wrapping up nothing and making a whole samsara out of it. But of course, that's only the description. And it's not quite the reality. So this is what I mean by panya, by the controlling faculty of panya. You can only get that panya when you look at the lotus and exhaust all of your old ideas, views, perceptions, which all make up those petals. All that you ever thought Nibbana was, could be, all has to be removed. Everything has to go. That's why samadhi has to be that strong. That's a controlling faculty of panya, wisdom. Sometimes people say that of these five faculties, sati is the most important because it stands in the middle. And all the other ones have to be balanced. And someone pointed out to me, nowhere in the suttas does it say that. It's not a question of balancing these faculties. It's a, it's a matter of developing each one of them to their utmost. You cannot have too much sada. You cannot have too much viriya. You cannot have too much sati. You cannot have too much samadhi. And you can't have too much panya. Each one of these should be developed to their fullest. If you have incredible sata in the Lord Buddha's teaching, you become a sadhanusari. You're an Aryan. You, have, you shouldn't sort of cut down your sada. You know, you've got just too much faith. You should be more skeptical. Nowhere did the Buddha say that except in the Kalama Sutta where in the Kalama Sutta he said you shouldn't believe what other people say and then all the people, especially Westerners, believe what it says in the Kalama Sutta Do you get the point? They're not being consistent They believe the Kalama Sutta even though the Kalama Sutta says don't believe me But anyway that Siddhar, the confidence should go all the way Virya Keep on increasing the virya. Keep on developing sati. Keep on developing samadhi all the way. And develop panya, wisdom. All the way to full enlightenment. And these faculties, basically they develop from the first, one after the other. If you haven't got confidence and faith, you'll find these other faculties will never come to fulfillment. So if you're one who is lacking in confidence and faith, ask yourself what the result of that is. And see if you can doubt skepticism and give rise to some confidence and faith. But it's possible it can be done. Give it a try. And as you develop more along the path, as you give it a try, the confidence will increase as you find that Yes, you can get deep meditation. Yes, you can get jhanas. Yes, you can get enlightenment. As it increases, as the path develops, so does the confidence with it. And with it, the energy, 
the mindfulness, the samadhi, and the panya. These five controlling faculties, in one sense they are linear, in another sense they all support each other. So please understand what these five faculties are, these five indriyas. Ask yourself, are they fully developed? Are, is one of them weak and why? <coughs> and see if you can use these faculties in your practice of meditation, in your practice of the holy life. Pay a lot of attention to them. Develop them, honour them, worship them so that they can become an important facet of your practice and as a means, as the Lord Buddha said, as a means for developing the enlightenment experiences. <coughs> but in particular at this stage of the meditation, at this stage of the retreat, use them for developing deeper and more powerful states of meditation. They are so important to the achievement of jhanas so investigate them, look after them, develop them and see them being controlling factors of the attainment of jhana. So that's all I have to say today on the five indriyas. Has anyone got any question to say on what I've said today? Yes? And then you mentioned that it's also very important to give clear instructions to give clear instructions to you asking for the walking meditation uh, the way I do walking meditation there may be other ways which uh, you have learnt uh, <coughs> I do uh, in, s in possible several ways uh, one way is to develop samadhi the other way is to reflect upon a point of Dhamma and uh, one way of making sure that the instructions are very clear if I am uh, developing samadhi, tranquility I actually walk with my hands in front of me it's just a trick which I developed if I'm reflecting on something using discursive thought I put my hands behind me that helps to maintain the, the instructions to the doorkeeper just the physical difference of the posture helps however <coughs> I always give those clear instructions say if I'm going to develop samadhi beginning of the meditation on the walking path this is the instructions, this is what I'm going to do off you go if I'm going to be uh, reflecting on something make it very clear this is what I'm going to be doing so the mind has its instructions. If I'm developing uh, samadhi, I, personally I put all my attention on the feet. So I know exactly which foot is moving, which part of the foot is moving, and that's my instruction to the mind. Just focus your attention on the sensations around the feet and lower legs. Keep it there, don't look at the birds, don't listen to the sounds don't watch the breath, don't think about Dhamma all your attention just in the movements or the feelings in the feet <coughs> those are my instructions to the doorkeeper and that's what I do you can make up your own instructions the important thing is here as long as it's very clear 
what you want to do. Later on in the retreat, when uh, I always take two weeks for myself, and during those two weeks, at one of the talks on Wednesday nights, I will not attend. Ajanyana Dhamma will give that talk. I know before he's given an excellent talk on walking meditation. Maybe he can maybe give a talk on walking meditation while I'm on retreat. That talk you gave before, Ajanyana, is it in the library on walking meditation? Oh, good. So if you really want to listen to a good talk on walking meditation, there's one in the library by Venom Ajanyana. So you may give another talk when I'm on retreat. Is there another question before we finish? Yes? The jewel in the heart of the lotus is Mahayana. <laughs> I say it's the, the emptiness in the heart of the lotus. The beautiful nothingness. Just materialistic, is jeweled in the heart of the lotus. <laughs> anyway, I think that's enough for this evening.